Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas. I'm Ken Rideau, joined as always by my co-host, legendary trainer Teddy Atlas. And today we've got a very, very special guest for you. We've got the newly crowned UFC lightweight champion of the world, the diamond, Dustin Poirier. What's up, champ? What's happening, man? Thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Oh, thank you. We're a huge fan of what you've been doing. It's a awesome story. Super happy for you. It was, I mean... Everything from your journey to the fight itself was just a battle, right? I feel like the fight was uh, symbolic of your whole career. Nothing was easy. Every single round, every minute was a was a struggle. How you feeling? Yeah, yeah. You know, I got some bumps and bruises, but I'm still on cloud nine, man. I uh, I have that belt right over here, so let's see it. Can we you know, see nothing. it? I want to see it, Dustin. You want me to grab it for you? Yeah, me? yeah, yeah. I'd love to. You you earned it. Uh, well, if anybody second. ever earned winning a title, you sure as hell did. If anybody ever earned the right to be called a champion, I would say it was you. Yep. I think you had the second most fights of any UFC fighter ever before winning the title. And just a constant, um, always. There it is. Beautiful. There it is. There it is. There it is. That's pretty damn good. <laughs> that is pretty beautiful. That is special. And, uh. Thank you so much. Who looks at it more, you or your wife? Because I know your wife, Jolie, are partners in everything in life that you've done. You couldn't have done it without her. And you say that very openly, very freely. So who, who gets to hold it more? <laughs> I think I, I'm not letting it go. She can watch, she can touch it here and there, but uh, she can't get it off my shoulder, man. <laughs> good for you, man. It's so good. Yeah. I always, I always get chills when I see someone get the title for the first time. Can you, Explain to us a little bit about the emotional um, journey when when you actually won the belt. What, did it did it immediately settle in? I mean, you seem super excited in the ring, but talk me through the uh, emotional roller coaster of winning it. When did it settle in, etc.? You know, I, I'm only a couple of days removed. I, f I feel like I'm still digesting it. Honestly, it's been a you know a, a fast couple of days since the fight. I've been talking a lot and and you know just reliving the moment a lot. Uh, I haven't had a whole lot of quiet time to just sit down me and my wife and, and, and really, you know, let it sink in, but I'm sure that's coming this week. It, it, it feels better than I thought it would, you know, as a fighter, you go to sleep every night in training camp and, and thinking about that moment when the belt's going to touch your skin or when you're going to raise your hands and say, I'm the champ. And it, those thoughts didn't do it justice. You know, those, those feelings I was laying down in bed every night in camp thinking about it, it wasn't, it wasn't what it, what the feeling was. It was better than, than I thought it could be. Doesn't, when for me, I've always talked about the hardest thing for a fighter uh, is sitting in the dressing room waiting to go out. Take us, take the fans there. I mean, here <laughs> you waited your whole life for this. And if anybody ever earned, I said it earlier when you were going to get the belt, anyone ever earned the right, the right, and it is a right to be called a champion. Well, you really earned that. What was the feeling sitting in that dressing room waiting? As I've said before, it's the hardest thing because your imagination can attack you during that time. So take us there. You know, as a fighter, this was my 40th fight. So the emotions were the same. You know, I'm not I'm not one of those guys who try to portray a tough guy. You know, I know I can fight and I know I know what I can do. I know I'm a dangerous person, but I would be lying if I said I wasn't nervous and scared and unsure of what's going to happen. Well, out that's there. what I'm we talking all know about. That's exactly. the unknown. Well, that's it. I mean, anyone who says they're not scared, they're a liar. They're, they're a liar. Oh, there's something wrong with them. They got to go to a doctor and find out <laughs> what the hell's wrong. So I think it'd be fascinating 
for you just to explain to the people what it feels like waiting to have your name called to say, come out of the dressing room and get into the cage. It's, it's, uh, you're nervous. There's a lot of anxiety, but at the same time, it's weird because you're excited. The moment's finally here. You get to perform. It's, it's a weird balance of, of, of nerves, excitement, adrenaline. Um, just the, the anxiety to perform, you know, to go out there and, and, you just want to be your best. I, I knew before I walked out of that locker room, if I went out there and fought t- to my potential, that I was going to be a world champion that night. But the thing is, as a fighter and a, as a as a just a human being, I know that things happen in fights. You know, I, there's a possibility I can get hit with a shot I don't see. There, there's and especially in mixed martial arts, there's so many variables. Um, that, that that's what keeps those feelings alive and well in me through 40 fights. Through it, I'm, they're never going to go away. The only thing I can say is. I'm more acquainted with those uncomfortable feelings now. So when they arise and I feel them, I'm just like, okay, there you are. Here we go again. You know, we're about to do this. Yeah. And would you call those feelings what I, what I've called them for years, call them fights on ESPN. The, the greatest enemy at that moment is your imagination to, because you just said it beautifully. You already know what can happen and can't happen in that ring, but your imagination has no limits. That that can bring things into the equation that are not real. Exactly, Teddy. When you start thinking like that, the mind is a powerful weapon, man. Uh, you create problems that aren't even there if you start thinking about it too much. That's why I don't want to. I don't overanalyze my opponents. I let my coaches watch the fight video. I watch clips here and there. But if in the past getting ready for fights, I would watch hours of footage on, on guys I'm going to fight. And then I would start thinking too much or caring too much about everything. And it would take me away from what I do best. You have a, an incredible uh, maturity level. And granted, with 40 fights comes a lot of maturity. But you seem to have an emotional maturity that a lot of fighters, at least in the UFC and boxing that I've seen, don't seem to have one of those guys like a Lomachenko. You just have incredible maturity and confidence, but not arrogance, a healthy respect for your opponent. Can you talk me through some of your mindset and any kind of mindful practices that you might um, partake in or meditation? Like, where does this maturity come from? I think from, from life lessons, honestly, you know, I, I moved out when I was young. I got married and bought a house really, really young and uh, never had a stable job and, and balanced a lot of things, juggled a lot of things to make life happen for me. And uh, it's just lessons that I've learned through life. And I try to get better every time I make a mistake even when I you know victorious I try to I try to learn but uh I'm not really sure you know I appreciate that but as far as the mindset goes you know I I, I'm just grateful man I'm I'm grateful I know where I come from um north side of Lafayette Louisiana and I know how far how far that person I was uh as a young kid and how much I've I've done with just this man just my brain and these two right here I've taken my family and, and gave them a better life. And, uh, you know, everybody in my family is benefiting from it now. And I'm, and I'm not done. I still have a long ways to go, but, uh, you know, I practice gratitude every morning. I write down three things every morning that I'm grateful for. Um, you know, I, I write a lot, I write a lot of things, you know, thoughts become things, I believe. And, and that's, that's something that I'm going to do for the rest of my career. And then whatever business or, or avenue I move into outside of fighting, I'm going to keep the same practice. I'm grateful for people like you. I mean that. I'm grateful for people that can have that kind of humility, uh, that kind of gratitude, that kind of core, strong core of belief in themselves 
and responsibility for themselves and for the people around them. And that could be a lesson, a beautiful lesson for people out there that have been in difficult situations and things haven't gone right. And they're wondering if it's ever going to go right. And you are perfect proof that if you stick with it and you believe and you don't give in, you don't submit, that you know what? You can be a champion. Thank you so much, Teddy. That, that really means a lot to me, man. It, it really does, truly. You're, you're just a great example for people out there. And I, I want people to get that from this broadcast, to, to see that, because your road was a bumpy one at best. And forget about bumpy. You had some holes in your road. <laughs> you and for sure and but you know what and i try to say this to people that it was your road it was the only road that was going to get you there because you're and listen i'm saying this with all respect i don't got to tell you you understand what i'm about to say you're not the most talented guy in the world in in your business but you're the most determined you found a way to even the playing field in other ways and the only way you were going to do that was to form yourself into a certain kind of person and that road that bumpy road that road with holes that's what formed you and that's what had you ready any other road would not have had you ready you you agree with that i 100% agree with that and uh that that's how that's why it's easy to get off the stool every round because I'm, I don't expect anything less but the toughest rounds, the toughest exchanges, uh, because that's what I'm used to, honestly, man. We have a ton of stuff that I want to cover with you. But before we get into some of the stuff outside of the ring, I want to talk to you just specifically about the Holloway fight. Because you you submitted him back in, um, what was it, 2013, 2012. You submitted him in February of 2012. So coming into the fight, you had to have a level of confidence that you've already submitted him once. But... He's coming on in on a 13 fight win streak. You're coming in on a win streak. What was your, what was your thought coming into the fight? Where did you see holes in his games or where did you think you could take advantage of things that he was doing? And how did that translate and how did it play out relative to what you were expecting and what the game plan was? You know, coming up, leading into this fight, we fought seven years ago. That was a completely different fight. Um, to fight in the UFC in the top of the divisions. For seven years, guys don't even have seven-year careers. So to do that and stay relevant and for him to be an undisputed world champion and on a 13-fight win streak, I knew that this fight was completely different. Like like I said, that's why I didn't even watch the footage from the first one. There, there would, that would be disrespecting what needed to be done. That would be disrespecting the the amount of work and the challenge, I thought. So I just went about it like a whole new fight. We we, we watched his last couple fights a little bit and we went, we went about it as a whole new fight. And a lot of things that we thought in the fight actually happened. You know, we knew he was a volume puncher. I knew I, I was going to be in positions where he was going to be throwing a lot of volume and I had to dig down and, and use footwork and get out. I, uh, I honestly think in camp, my stance switching, switching from southpaw to orthodox and covering a lot of distance against a counter puncher really, really paid off. My coach, Mike Brown, um, an incredible coach down at American Top Team. Really put that that mindset and that thought into play early in the camp of switching stance, throwing my my lead hand as an overhand from a switch stance, and uh, you know, movement and and with knees and kicks, we cover a lot a lot of distance and a lot of big movements in there. And a guy like Max Holloway who throws volume and touches and pulls, touches and pulls and counter punches. When you take a big step back, <clears throat> to count, you usually take yourself out of out of out of range for kicks and punches. 
But when I switch stance, I cover so much distance and that right hand stays locked and loaded, you know? So I, t- I take my right hand from a jab to, to, a, to a back to a cross and you're still in danger when I move forward. It, it's fine things like that that really made a huge difference in this fight early on. I watched the fight and I'm listening to what you just said, Dustin. And you know what? Your trainer should be given train of the year. I'll say it again. your trainer should be given train of the year. He really should because that was the difference in a fight because I'm going to put it real simple. You were the harder puncher. Your power was the difference in that fight. The other guy was throwing accumulative punches. As you said, he was being a busy guy, but you were erasing that with your power. And for your coach to put you in a position to understand that, to have your power more available he is a big reason why you're a champion. Obviously, it's your character. It's your journey. It's that, but he was a big part of it. He deserves great, great, great uh, kudos for what he did. Thank you so much, Teddy. You know, I have him, Mike Brown, and I also my boxing coach, who I've been working with for over five years now, is uh, Diet Davis, Howard Davis Jr.'s son out in Florida. I was actually uh, fortunate enough to work with Howard Davis before he passed away. Uh, years ago and now i work with his his son dia davis who who is my head boxing coach and and i tell you what man we really uh he really broke down max's game max is a is a boxing heavy fighter for mixed martial arts you know he kicks a couple times per fight but he's really heavy on that front foot and boxes and dia broke him down and we really drilled a lot and man i i just felt prepared after the first round when i sat on the stool i just felt like we did the right things and i was gonna win the fight i knew early on how much time as a percentage would you say you spend on your uh, stand-up game? And I would imagine it's not necessarily purely boxing, if ever. I would imagine it's more kickboxing style. But as a percentage of ground versus stand-up, just Teddy and I were not super familiar with an MMA training camp per se. But I'm just curious what, what the percentage breakdown is in stand-up versus uh, ground game. For me, it's probably uh, – uh, uh, if I had to throw out a percentage, I would probably say 60 or more percent – I'm focused on on stand up and I do do kickbox. I drill kickboxing once a week, but the rest of that time is, is boxing. I, I love boxing. I, uh, you know, I've, I've really become a student of, of that, of boxing in the last few years. I, I really appreciate boxing. I got to work with Chris Algieri when he was getting ready for Errol Spence down in Florida. Uh, I had a fight coming up as well. So we got to work together. And working with those kind of caliber of guys has opened my eyes to to the angles and intricacies of of what it takes to be a, a high level boxer, man. Well, Howard Davis had to be a huge help. God bless him. He was a good man, and he passed away a few years ago, as you just said. And congratulations to his son, uh, you know, for carrying on. And um, just, I mean, Howard Davis was one of the great boxers of all time. He was one of the greatest amateur fighters of all time. And he was part of the greatest, I, I believe, the greatest Olympic boxing team of all time, 1976. And he's, I mean, he, he's in there with Michael Spinks, Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, Leon Spinks, uh, Leo Randolph, all these great fighters. And Howard Davis in that great Olympics gets the Val Barco Award for greatest boxer in the Olympics. I mean, what a, what a great person. What a great fighter. What a great gift for you to be able to be around him. Yeah. Like I said, man, it was an honor. And uh, a lot of people do that. That was the toughest Olympic boxing year. Um, Crazy thing. Howard Davis was one of the first guys to ever sit me down one day at a gym in Fort Lauderdale. 
and, and tell me, I think, you, why are you cutting all this weight, kid? You need to move up. Why are you draining your body like this? And uh, years later, I, I, a couple years later, I actually moved up in weight to, uh, to lightweight. And, and he was one of the first guys to sit me down and say, what are you doing? Yeah, he would know because fighters get forced sometimes by the wrong people, you know, maybe intended well, but they get it in their heads that you're going to have an advantage at a smaller weight class and they kill themselves and they forget about the disadvantage that you're not as strong. You're not as strong. You weaken yourself. So he gave you good advice. Definitely. Definitely did, man. One of the other and now things- I'm working with his son three times a week when I'm in Florida for training camps and, and we're keeping it going, man. It definitely shows your, your, your hands look, looked unbelievable. And, um, one of the other things I wanted to touch on was the massive amount of respect shown by you and Max towards each other. And it's probably one of the highlights aside from you winning the title for me is that I love when I see a fight like that where two guys exude confidence, not arrogance, massive respect for each other. Get in there, lay it all on the line like sportsmen. And then after the fight, congratulate each other like gentlemen. I see he donated his signed uh, fight gloves to your foundation, which we're going to get get into in a few minutes here and give you a chance to talk about that. And hopefully the fans will um, get on there and contribute. But talk to me about the the promotion of the fight and working with Max as a almost as a business partner in promoting the fight and before and after the fight. Anything you're willing to share? Um, you know, Max was very respectful the, the whole lead up. Anytime I was around him, he was confident. And, uh, you know, you can tell he was feeling himself. He's he was a champ, but he still is at 145 pounds. And, and it showed he carried himself very confidently. And uh, but he never disrespected me. He never uh, crossed the line. He, he knew we both knew uh, it went without saying that this was going to be a tough fight. He knew what kind of fighter I was. I knew what kind of fighter he was. We had an understanding that that went without saying that we were going to leave it all in there. And I felt that just being around him, I felt I felt it and I know he felt it. When you have two fighters like that, you know, there's no reason to bash each other. There's no reason to to do all that stuff because we know deep down in our hearts that this is going to be a tough fight and and we're going to have to really dig deep. That's the purest form of fighting to me. That's you know, it hurts. It hurts. You have to pick yourself up. You have to pull yourself and push yourself through rounds. Uh, you might drop around, win the next one, and, and you just have to keep coming out. That fighting a guy like Max is an honor, and and that's the purest form of combat to me. That's what I think it is. Yeah, and that's a metaphor for life too. We talk about it on the show sometimes. Is that you don't have to win every round in life to win the battle, to win the fight, and you're a perfect perfect example. You just keep your head down and grinding, and 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 have a very short memory for things when they don't go right. And and as we discussed earlier, you haven't had the easiest road. I mean, you fought every single tough guy in the UFC in every single fight you've been in. I think you've had a couple fight of the year, fights of the month. I feel like every time the UFC marches you out there, they're gonna get a fight, no matter what. They're gonna get entertained. I feel like that scene, like, are you not entertained? I feel like that could be said after every one of your fights, and it's really like, again, it's an honor to have you on. It's kudos, man. You know, you're a perfect example. I talk about it a lot, Dustin, about we're in a society of neon talent, neon, everything neon. Like, oh, he's fast. He's powerful. You know, oh, my God, he, you know, he's quick. He, you know, all those things and anything that's neon, that lights up, but 
What about the talent of being dependable? What about the talent of being determined? What about the talent of reliability? What about the talent of character? What about those talents that don't light up a neon? But guess what? They're there when you need them. They will carry a guy to a championship. And for me, they carried you to a title. Thank you, man. And 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 they definitely did. You know, I've heard you say this before, but but it's it's 100% true. Fighting has taught me to trust in myself. Whenever I get knocked down, like I trust that I'm going to find a way to win. You know, I, I just I have a trust and belief in myself that I'm going to make something happen out there under those lights in the arena. And I, I really, truly believe that. So that what carries that's what carries me. That's what makes it so easy to walk out of that locker room into the arena of people cheering and booing and into the into the battle. I, I know that there's going to be a moment in there where it's going to come down to me and I can count on me, you know. And that's evident in every fight that you've had. You clearly have confidence in your ability and you know that you've done the work or at least seemingly appear to know exactly what you're going to do. And you seem to be confident, even keel, never overly emotional. And, um, yeah, man, it's, it's so cool to see you sitting there with the belt. It's just. I don't know. It gives, I always tell champions when they come on with a belt, like it gives me Beautiful. chills to see it. I hope that you're uh, appreciated as much as I are think you, you are. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you out of your mind? Appreciate <laughs> yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, definitely am out of my mind. <laughs> He's he would. That's probably the only time that he have an argument with his wife is who's going to be able to hold it more. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you, Dude, Dustin. I, I want to ask you one thing about your wife. She's been telling you, from what I've understand, for years that. I mean, just telling you, like, you're going to be a world champion. I want to ask you something, and I think the people out there probably say, Teddy, go ask them. Did you always believe her? You know, Teddy, there were times where I I, I didn't know what was going to happen. Did I try to act tough and, and act confident and hope for the best and, and act like we were going to turn this thing around? But And I didn't really know. But there were, but she was always there every night telling me that one day that she was going to tell me I told you so and that I was going to be the champ. You know, it makes me emotional talking about it because there's times, like I said, where I lost fights or times where, you know, it just I felt the load of of carrying all of this and, and it got too heavy for me at times. And she just like, you know, I, I wouldn't be where I'm at without her. I, I uh, we moved in together when I was 18 years old. I met her in middle school. We got married at 20 years old. This year will be our 10th year wedding anniversary. Wow. Uh, I have a I have a, I have a daughter with her. And uh She's not just my wife. She's my my partner in life. Like we we were together at such a young age that I can redo that with anybody. These years of, of growing and learning lessons in life from a young age of 14, 15, up to 30 years old with the kid that it's so important and, and priceless. The things we've done together and, and, and the person I, I've the fighter I've grown into with her next to me, uh, you know, she's been an anchor for me. And I really don't think that I would have done as much or continue to do what I'm doing without her, man. This is what I love about you is the level of honesty. Not a lot of people would say that, yeah, I doubted myself at times. Like, I couldn't imagine. But I want the people that are listening to hear that because that's what this story is all about. That's what it's all about. And Dana White should make him the freaking poster child of the, of the UFC because that's <laughs> – that. no, this is where dreams come true. That's it. This is where dreams can come true. And that's why because you don't give up on your dream. Agreed. Because you're bad. And look at this guy. Dana White, I hope you're listening. Teddy, I, I want to thank you for, for a couple weeks before my fight on, on one of your podcasts. You, uh, I've heard you say it before, but I had a chance to make life fair. You know, I knew I was the underdog. 
I knew I was betted against. I knew I was supposed to lose that fight. I knew I've, I've been knocked down before. I know people were saying a lot of things on the internet and everybody has opinions, but I knew that when I touched the canvas under those lights in Atlanta, Georgia on pay-per-view, that none of that mattered. Nothing mattered except my preparation and my mindset. And I had 25 minutes. I had five five-minute rounds that nothing mattered but what I had in me. And uh, that carried me through camp a lot of days. I had it, I had your, your uh, podcast taped on my phone, and there's numerous times I'd be driving. I just put it on. And uh, listen to that same clip over and over again with you two guys uh, sitting down in front of the ring. And, and you said that, you know, no matter what, I had a chance to, to call myself a world champion and nobody was going to take that from me. That that was so powerful, man. And the, I'm going to use that for the rest of my life. When I talk to these young fighters, when I talk to guys, I know they have a chance to make life fair. No matter what anybody says, if they believe in themselves, if they prepare if they're confident and focused enough, they can make history. They can rewrite history. They can do. You can do anything you want, but it's up to you. And that was super powerful for me. So thank you, Teddy. I appreciate you saying that. And and the way you talk about fighting and the mindset is, uh, you do it beautifully, man. You capture it very well. The feelings and and the emotions of fighting, man. Thank you. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you for being who you are. And yeah, like I was saying, I love you. Tr I love the level of truthfulness and the amount of your life and journey and experience that you're willing to share with people. What I was going to say earlier is... Wait, I wait, I got to jump in there. <laughs> now, tell me, what did your wife say to you? What did your wife say to you? What was That's all I want to know. What was the first things out of Jolie's mouth? She told me, I told you so. I told you so. <laughs> she earned it. She earned it. <laughs> she waited a long time. Dude, I can't... Man, you know, I, I, it's amazing. It's amazing because all, all the those years of her telling me that it felt like it was so far away. It felt like, you know, that that's a beautiful dream you have or, or whatever. And, and I, I believe that I had it in me, but it's right here. You know, I did it, man. I did it. You sure did. I did it. You sure did. I really hope that the UFC pushes you out there the way they do for Connor and some of the other guys that get attention for a lot of the out of the ring stuff. I mean, I can't imagine if Dustin Poirier threw a hand truck through a bus, what would happen? I don't think we'd <laughs> see, I don't think we'd see you again. And look, I I'd know be it's Skyping. <laughs> We'd be skyping through prison. 100%. Yeah, exactly. 100%. And That's again, true. Truth, just, truth, truth is spoken. It's just like these, <laughs> this kind of story should be celebrated. It's, it should be mainstream news. It's like, you know, score one for the good guys. And that brings me to, um, I want to talk to you about what's next. I mean, obviously you've, uh, you, you fought Conor McGregor before, um, Suffered a loss, uh, TKO back in September 14th. But like you said, five years ago is a long time. I'm sure you feel much different about yourself as a fighter. He's a different fighter, but it looks like the two potential options would be Connor or, um, Khabib. And, you know, the way that I think some opponents and, uh, some of the media might have overlooked you. I can almost guarantee you that both of those guys are probably doing the same thing and thinking like, okay, I got this one. And I'm sure that Max might have felt the same way. What do you think is next? Is there one guy you want more than the other? Or what are your thoughts on those two guys? Well, this what I have right here on my shoulder is a piece of the world title. Absolutely. We have to unify it with the, with the undisputed champion, Khabib Nurmagomedov. And his suspension ends, I believe, in September. So that's the fight that has to happen. And like you said, they are already counting me out. I've seen the headlines. Dustin Poirier is going to be mauled by Khabib Nurmagomedov. Uh, this is going to be another one-sided fight for Khabib. But guess what? I have 25 minutes to make life fair. We'll, we'll see if that happens. 
You know, I can, I count on me. So that's what should happen. Me and Khabib should fight September and unify these belts. Yep, I agree with you, and I think that you hit the nail right on the head. They People can say and think whatever they want. They can't control what's in your mind and what your actions are. And that's one that I'm looking forward to because that's an interesting matchup. Obviously, he's got the strong wrestling background and ground game, but I don't think his um, stand-up game is even on the same level as yours. But you just never know until two men get in there and settle it. But that's one that I'm sure a lot of people are looking forward to and will be a big um, validation fight for you, to say the least. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about it, man. You know, to be the first guy to beat him and then to be the undisputed world champion, that's the goal. Yeah, man. Well, you certainly should uh, sure, certainly should um, start to make some uh, decent dough, that's for sure. I want to ask you, Dustin, for me, and I know for you and for the people out there listening, I, this is very important. You and your wife started a charity called the Good Fight Foundation. Please. Uh, tell us about it and what you're doing with it in, in particular after this fight because I know you connected something really special uh, with your foundation with this fight. Yes, sir. So the Good Fight Foundation, me and my wife started. Uh, when my daughter was born, I was living in South Florida and uh, we were packing up the house we had there to move back to Louisiana. And, I, you know, fighters, we start accumulating things over the years, things that mean something to us. So I have, you know, just a, an office room full of gloves and fight shorts and fight worn shirts and things that I just held on to because it meant something to me. And that's cool for the first couple of years. But when you've been a professional fighter for 10 years, it, it's just too many things I've, I've held on to. And we were moving and I was we were like, what can we do with all these shorts and gloves we have? You know, this is just too much stuff. And uh, we thought about maybe, well, let's sell it. And use the money to, to, to maybe give the money to a charity. So we started selling stuff and helping out local charities and doing things. And then after a, a few months of that, we said, let's just give it its own identity. Because uh, I wanted it to have its own avenue and its own lane. So we came up with the Good Fight Foundation. And, and we've been doing all kind of great things, man. And uh, we've, we've reached every goal we set so far. And this time, this fight, I tried to use my platform to raise money. And we're going to auction off my stuff my fight-worn stuff, to build the playground for disabled children in my hometown of Lafayette, Louisiana. There was a young kid, six years old, who had a, a wish and a dream that him and his classmates would have a, a, a playground to play on. They were wheelchair-bound, and, and there's nothing for them to do, you know? And uh, I just thought when I heard that story of this six-year-old kid named Aaron Hill to, to want everybody to benefit from his dream and wish, that it was so beautiful. He, he never got to see his his dream come true. He passed away from a very rare brain disease called ALD. And, uh, you know, when I heard that story, I, I had to do it. So we're building a playground in his honor. We're going to put a plaque with his name on it. I want his dream to live on. And I want the children at that school who are disabled and wheelchair bound to have playground equipment and have a place to go. Uh, so that's what we're doing. And I'm 100% sure we're going to get it done before the beginning of next school year. So we're going to start construction this summer. That's great. And, um, Again, without overdoing it, that's why you're a champion. That's why I call you a champion, and I I say it the way I say it, that that's part of your strength. That's part of the core of your strength, of what you carry into the ring with you. And if I could, I have a charity uh, called the Dr. Atlas Foundation. I would like to write a check for $3,000 if I'm able to, and if you would allow me to, and put it towards that. Teddy, that would be amazing. That would help out. That would be a huge, huge help. 
uh, for this goal. And I appreciate it so much, man. So, Rob, you know, when we get done here, Rob will get all the information. I have a check. Uh, you let him know what it is, who it has to be written out to, where it has to go. And we um, will be a small part of that help. That would be that would be a huge, huge help. And as we start construction, I'll send you some pictures to, to show you some updated stuff what we got going on. It's going to be awesome, man. I'm really excited for this goal. I am, too. Hey, Dustin, talk about uh, Max Holloway donate his glo- uh, his fight-worn gloves from that battle where you won the title. That was incredibly gracious of him. Talk to, talk to me about that process and where people can find information on the gloves and where we can bid on them, etc. <clears throat> so I'm going to be posting a link for all my fight-worn stuff um, probably by the end of today to start auction on the Gordon shirt. But I was very fortunate, and I had an outside – this. we even put up the, the auction. I had an outside guy uh, from, from Japan reach out to me, and he wants to buy my gloves and Max's gloves for, for, for a good bit of money. So I'm, I'm going to just directly sell it to him. We won't even auction these gloves off. Uh, you know, these gloves – just the two pair of gloves raised $20,000 for the foundation. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. How did you get the and, gloves and, from Max? Did he offer them up or did you ask him for them? Because that was incredibly kind of him to do that. No, we were still in the ring. The uh, They just announced the winner. He came up to me and he was trying to take the tape off of his gloves and give it to me right there in the middle of the ring. It's unbelievable. And he couldn't get the tape off. I guess the blood, it was slippery. So uh, he came out in the back uh, when we were seeing the doctors at right after the fight. He signed the gloves. He gave them to my wife. And uh, told me that if there's anything he can do to help my charity, anything at all to let him know. And uh, just, you know, what a champion that guy is, man. Absolutely right word. Again, champion. What a classy guy. That is such a good story. I wish it was getting more uh, mainstream media attention because, and I know it's been mentioned, but man, that is um, just something that you very rarely see. Two guys punch each other's head in, basically, and then give their give your opponent his gloves after he beat you. It's just, it's awesome. I'm really happy for you. Yeah, it, it, it's it's crazy, man. And, uh, you know, he, that was the first thing he said, too, right after the fight was uh, he, he was excited about what I was trying to do and he wanted to help out. So that, that man, you know, there are some good guys out there, you know, uh, that's 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 another reason I started this. This nonprofit is I want people in my community to I want to I want to give them another reason to cheer. I want to give these people another reason to 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 be excited to 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 watch a fight and, and uh, gives me something more to fight for. And there's a, there's so many good people in combat sports, and I think the light should be more shown on that than than the uh, the guys breaking the rules and the guys getting people you know clickbait and all this stuff. Uh, you know there there are real good people who come from a tough background, and and I think that should be what fighting is about. You know. Yeah. So listen, one of the things we did before we went live today is we posted, uh, Teddy and I both posted on um, social media um, the opportunity for fans to send in some questions. So if you don't mind, before we wrap up, I'll just hit you with some rapid fire questions. You can get as in-depth or as brief as you like, uh, just a reflection of what the fans want to know. Cool? Sure. All right. So Yes, sir. Some of the stuff we've covered, so if we did, you know, we can keep it brief. But um, how do you get over the mental bumps and setbacks that you've had in your career? You've had a couple losses. What's what's the process look like after the um, after a setback? Usually, I, I go back and, and 
try to find what led to that, what led to the to the the, the big mistake. You know, the, if I got hit with a big shot or if I uh, dropped a decision, what was the big things that I can take away from that and overall improve my fight IQ? Because I want to know where I'm at in the rounds. When I sit on the stool, I'll, I want to know what just happened. I want to know where I'm at in the fight always. And and that's that's my mindset from wins or losses. I try to just take my fight IQ to the next level. After all the time and grinding that you've put in to get to this point, what was the what what feelings were going through your mind when they raised your hand and announced you as the winner? I, I felt like uh, like I just planted a flag in the top of a mountain that nobody's ever climbed. That's what I felt like. I felt like I, I can't explain it. You know, it was uh, one of the best feelings I've ever felt in my life. I felt accomplished. I, I felt like the twelve years of fighting through adversity that I, I, I did it, you know, I, uh, and I honestly never, never knew if this was going to really happen. I just hoped I just worked hard and, and, and hoped that it would. And in that moment, when he put the belt on me, I was there, you know, I, I was accomplished everything I set out to do. I, I finally made it happen. And, and you know, what's crazy is I still have more to go, man. And I'm excited about that. Yeah, man, that was definitely reflected in your uh, emotions in the ring. What did Dana say to you when he gave you the belt, and um, how's your relationship with him in general? He told me congratulations. He told me he was happy for me. I think all the guys, you know, the higher-ups in that organization know uh, the amount of work that I put in to get where I'm at. And uh, he told me I was next for Khabib. He said, you and Khabib are going to fight. So that's pretty much all that was said between us. And what is your preparation going to look like going into the Khabib fight? Meaning, you had you had mentioned earlier it's probably 60-40 a stand-up versus um, groundwork. How's that going to change going into Khabib? Well, we're definitely going to bring in some collegiate wrestlers. We're going to bring in some different looks into camp. And uh, we'll bring some bigger guys in. And I'm obviously going <clears> to <throat> focus a lot on my wrestling, a lot of my takedown defense, and a lot of my uh, – Judgment of distance and range and footwork. You know, I need to stay elusive, uh, not let this guy get a hold of my legs. And uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But I'm, I'm hoping to do a 10 a ten week training camp for this next championship fight down in Florida. And uh, I'm just waiting on the UFC to start negotiations and start to give me a timeline of exactly when the fight's going to happen. And then I'll start getting everybody uh, together for the, for the camp. Yeah, man. Assuming just uh... – Go with me for a minute. Assuming you get through Khabib, how badly do you want to avenge the loss against Conor McGregor? You know, uh, something changed in me over the last few years. It's not about revenge anymore for me. It's not about getting even with these guys. It's about being prosperous, man. It's about creating my own lane, creating my own legacy. You know, I'm, I'm, I am emotionally attached to fighting because it is, you know, it takes all of me, and and I'm just an emotional guy when it comes to that. But I've, I've learned to let that stuff go. You know, that was a fight that I dropped. Uh, I don't owe him anything. I don't owe him a payback. I don't owe him anything. You know, I just if I get an opportunity to go in there and fight him again, that'd be great. I can show the skills that I've improved. I can show the mindset that I've improved. But other than that, I don't hold grudges. And, and uh, you know, like I said, I don't I'm not my goal is not to get even with these guys. My goal is to to pass by these guys, to blow by these guys and prosper. Yeah, man, I'm not surprised that's your answer. As like we discussed earlier with your maturity level, it just seems so obvious that you're operating on another level when it comes to some of this um, trash talking and grudge holding, et cetera, that goes along with fighting a lot of the times. Well, Thanks, listen, man. 
We really appreciate your time. Um, is there any link or, um, or, um, social handle that we can, or that the fans can, um, find information on your charity and follow you, um, on Twitter, Instagram, anything else you want to share with us? Sure. My, uh, my Twitter and Instagram is just my name, Dustin Poirier. My foundation is thegoodfightgroup.com. That's the website you can go to to find out our next goal, some of our past goals that we've done, and just a little info about how me and my wife started it. That's thegoodfightgroup.com. And across all social media platforms, Dustin Poirier. Excellent. Ted, before we wrap up, is there anything else you wanted to um, mention or ask um, Dustin? Uh, just tell your wife, Jolie, congratulations. Because she deserves it. Man, that means so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Teddy. And the two of you, just keep being the champions and teaching people what a champion is. Thank you. Thank you so much, Teddy. It's an honor, man. It's my honor. Well, thanks again, Dustin. We really appreciate you being here, and congratulations, champ. That sounds good. Thank you, guys. Yeah, man. All right. Good luck. We'll be watching. Take Take care. care. Take care, Dustin. Thank you. All right. That's a wrap for today. That was a real pleasure getting to speak with uh, the UFC lightweight champion, Dustin Poirier. Ted, what'd you think? Doesn't get much better. Doesn't get much better than that. I mean, that is what, that really truly is what a champion is all about. Oh